me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Broadcasting from the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This is Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Happy Tuesday, Simon Provan. How are we doing, sir? I am very tired today, Baxter. Are you? Yeah, I share your sentiment. Why are you tired? I know why I'm tired with the newborn <laughs> in the house, but I'm uh, Yeah, curious. you have every reason to be. <laughs> no, I was uh, I'm directing my next show at Wisconsin Lutheran oh, College. So I had. Thank you. I had auditions late last night, and of course, afterwards, they got to sit there and just look at all the possibilities. I haven't yeah. gotten cast yet because I just need to sleep on it, but, uh, you know, I got home around 11.30, midnight, and, and then uh, St. Nick stopped by our house last night. Oh, did he? he did. Did you, did you cross paths with him based off of when you were coming uh, home? Uh, well, I, I I heard some commotion on the roof. Now, it could be the squirrel living in our attic, <laughs> or it could have been... Well, the reindeer we've, don't we've come yet. We've heard about the, squ- <laughs> I think the squirrel in your attic before on the show. I think, yeah. I think you've talked about that before. Yeah, the mice, the squirrels, so i got to get back up there, set some traps. But, uh, you know, alarm clock goes off at 5.45, 6 o'clock to uh, let the girls know that saint nick was here so that's why i'm tired okay fair enough yeah just same for me i mean same you know baby wakes up a couple times a night it's crazy well baxter here's an interesting thing as i was walking in today i thought you know i'm I'm gonna stop at the deli next door and pick up some coffee oh sure well i walk over there and the coffee is in a big igloo drink cooler You, you know like the um that's counterproductive the, for coffee. What, what the orange drinks used to come in at McDonald's. Oh, like the spinny thing? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, the okay. spinny top. Yeah. Or like you see on the sidelines for you know sure, soccer yeah. teams. So that's what the coffee was in. At buck seventy five, I thought, I can be tired today. <laughs> <laughs> Not worth it. I'll drink more water. It's good for me, I that's guess. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Wow, an egg? That's weird. No, no thank you. You definitely want to just take a pass on that one. Oh boy. All right. Well, we've got a good show for you today. Uh, we've got uh, head coach of the Boston Breakers, Matt Beard, joining us in our second segment. And then goalkeeper for the Chicago Red Stars, Michelle Dalton, will be joining us. Uh, actually, a Wisconsin Badgers alumni as well, too. So a little bit of Wisconsin connection Absolutely. Uh, on the show. So and, that, we'll, and we'll talk about, uh, not necessarily Wisconsin guy, but we'll talk about a, a Marquette guy a little bit later in today's yes. show as well. Yes, exactly. Just a little so, teaser there. Reminder for you, of course, you can catch the show Tuesday, Thursdays live from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time, live right here on Spreaker.com. And if you miss any of our shows, you can go to our website, 2upfrontsoccer.com, to get all the information about where to find them. And you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. We are at 2upfrontsoccer. And, of course, our personal handles are at Simon Provan, at Baxter Colburn. All right, Simon, you talked about uh, the U-17s last week on the show, and you were very impressed 
For the most part, but before we get to that, of course, we are beginning our segment, The Kick Around, brought to you by Too Much Metal for One Hand, which we are very grateful for, for their sponsorship. But you, you talked about uh, the U-17s. You were, you were impressed by their 7-1 victory over Portugal, if I'm not mistaken. 7-1 win over Portugal. Then they had their three, most recent win was the 3-0 victory over Brazil. Uh, they beat Turkey as well. They finished this tournament, the Nike U.S. Friendly Tournament, or International Friendlies, 15 goals for, two goals against. That's so, great. Wow. And I, I am impressed with their defense. We've talked about this before, Baxter. I, you know, them winning this tournament, hey, it's a good thing. In previous editions, they've lost to Brazil. Brazil yeah. comes every time. I, I think part of it is I want to temper... For anybody out there that's going, hey, this is awesome. Now, listen, it is awesome. It is. It's a big accomplishment to beat Portugal and Brazil, and Turkey's nothing right. to laugh at for right, the most exactly. part about soccer at an international level. Absolutely. But the thing is, Brazil, Portugal, I think they, ha- I'm not quite so sure about Turkey, but they handle this tournament a little bit different than mm-hmm. Brazil. You know, they're still looking at specific players. Yes. Really with the senior men's team in mind. Whereas the USA is looking at this as we want to win this tournament. Now, John Hackworth did come out and say, Look, wins are good. Wins, we, we do want to win, but not for the sake of development. So it's good to see that development is first and foremost on his mind. But what I would say about this U.S. team, and I said it the same thing uh, after that Portugal game, they've built a good field awareness. Yes. They, they do wonderful with their passing. I think defensively, this is one of the strongest units we've seen in a youth national team uh, on the men's side for, for U.S. soccer. But what I'm still concerned about is the technical ability on the feet that each player has. I think what, sometimes what you see at this age, the reason <clears throat> some teams do really well at the youth level but not at the senior level, specifically the U.S., is I think you see a lot of good athletes at this age. Oh, yeah. You know, that the U.S. focus so much on the athleticism while all these other countries are really focusing on those uh, foot skills. You know, it's the so futsal, playing the futsal. Exactly, basically. we've talked about that and had other guests as well on the show. Be like, I'm not who I am today if I had not played futsal, and it's obvious, right? That's why you see the Hispanic countries and the European countries doing so well because they start at such a young age, and you hear pros like Messi and Ronaldo saying, "Oh, I played futsal every day and as a kid, and that's why I basically can sleep and run through an entire defense because yeah. I know where the ball is at all times." Right. So you know, they're not too concerned yet at this age about building somebody to play 90 minutes. Where I think the U.S. focuses on that so much that. That even at the national team level, they do they don't focus enough on the technical ability of each specific player on the footwork. Exactly, I think it's getting better. I just I was at a youth tournament this past weekend. I filled in coaching uh, for my daughter's team. Mm. It, it is amazing to see how much more skilled these kids are now than when I was a kid playing, and before that, my my brother playing. You know, and and he went on to play professionally. All three of them did. So there's a lot of hope there, and I I do think a lot of the Youth clubs out there don't get enough respect from U.S. soccer fans. I think you do have a lot of good coaches out there now teaching these skills. Um, so, so we'll see what happens with this U17 team. Now, look, I'm hoping that there will there'll be a lot of good names that come out of this that we'll see in the senior men's national team. Maybe we have another 2002 so. on our hands here soon. You know, when Donovan and, and, uh, and Beasley came out and played in that 2002 World Cup, 19, 20-year-olds, it was awesome. It was historic for the U.S. Hopefully we see a little bit more of that in the years to come. I agree with you. One thing that we may not be seeing in the years to come, though, Simon, is the NASL. Today is the uh, is D-Day, basically. They were making the final decision. Uh, the, NASL, the NASL is today about their Division II status, how the New York Cosmos are potentially... 
uh, packing up shop and leaving uh, and leaving in the eleven. All those those bigger clubs. Uh, just the NASL as a whole is in turmoil. We've talked about it on the program before. USL and the MLS partnership have really made this this huge you know formidable opponent that NASL just has not been able to overcome. And USL is also pushing for that Division Two status, which then leads down the conversation to promotion relegation at a later conversation. Of course, how are you feeling about this NASL thing? I I followed NASL a little bit. I knew who the Cosmos were growing up because you heard about Pelé and all the other great things that went on with the Cosmos back in the day. But I've never, since I've been following MLS, I've always been like, what's the deal with NASL? Why can't they just get over themselves and either be in MLS or go away? And now I kind of understand what they were doing, you know, now that I've been around the soccer media world more. But again, at this point, the the battle is basically lost, in my opinion. And I think that they just need to save whatever little pride that they guys, guys might have left and uh, and just move on, honestly. Just accept defeat and move on. Well, here's the thing is is they've already lost three clubs. Tampa Bay Rowdies, Ottawa yep. Fury moving to the USL, Minnesota obviously going up to MLS. Um, the trouble is... We know that USL has applied for Division Two status. Yes. I won't be surprised if they get it. However, you got to also make sure since the the U.S. Soccer basically upped the standards for a Division Two. You know, each team needs to have a ten thousand seat stadium. Yep. Uh, the, I think each club owner needs to have twenty million dollars on reserve, something like that. So you're going to have to make sure that these thirty teams in USL meet those standards. To I become, hope so. Yeah. So if they don't, what does that mean for those clubs who don't meet those standards? Do they get a couple of provisional seasons in order to build all of that up? I don't know. But going back to the NASL, it doesn't even look like that they could go to Division Three status mm-hmm. because to go to Division Three, you need eight teams. And it looks like they'll have dipped below eight teams to even get Division Three status and stay alive. You know, you New York Cosmos, they're on the brink of folding. Yeah. Uh, they've, now released, I, they've released all their staff and all their players. Right. As well, after just winning uh, the, the championship, right. the NASL championship. I don't think... Obviously, you look at the New York Cosmos and NASL. The big New York Cosmos was the reason the first NASL yeah, folded. Obviously, I don't think that the Cosmos this time around are the main are the are the main club in the NASL. I think the mm-hmm. Indy Eleven, a lot yeah. more healthy. Oh, than, 100%. And those those are the clubs that I feel for. I don't think we're going to have an NASL next year. No, but it's clubs like Indy Eleven that have been very healthy. You know, mm-hmm. Peter Wilt did wonderful work with them. Of course, they had MLS aspirations. They could never get a stadium bill passed, yep. so that's basically done for. So that's my big question: is what happens to clubs like the Indy Eleven? Do, do they drop, do they go to the USL? Do you drop to the NPSL even too? That's right. a, a much lower division, which they already have a U twenty three team they in do. that league. Yeah, but I think the Milwaukee Torrent will see the Indy Eleven U twenty three next year, I believe, in their central. I division. think so. I right? Think yes, so in that's the Midwest true. Central division. That's so true. that'll be an, an interesting thing just from a, from our perspective. Well, and that's the year. thing too: is let's say Indy Eleven decides to say, you know what, we. We don't want to play in the USL. We're going to close up shop as well. Now that now that has ramifications yeah, for it affects, the NPSL as well. This, you know this ripple effect basically across all divisions. I I don't know exactly what the best way is to fix it. You know you've got those people on Twitter that are cr- screaming for promotion relegation. Well, sure, maybe at some point, but you need to be able to just dis- keep your your second and third and whatever exactly. divisions alive. You need to have stable divisions yeah. below the top division. If, if we had three divisions identical to MLS, like you know how England or anybody else really does, where it's basically just the different teams, but it's the exact same structure and everything works, for the most part, fluently, 
then we'd have no, no, I don't think there'd be any question about it. Well, look, the NASL made mistakes along the way. First coming yes. out and saying, we're here to compete with MLS. We're going to be the better league is, is the first mistake. Second mistake is the New York Cosmos were offered a spot years ago yeah, in MLS. That. And they said, no, we don't want to be part of a league that has a salary cap. We want to be able to operate the way we want to operate. They even applied for MLS with the idea that they could basically be separated from being owned by MLS, which mm. I understand that, but that's when MLS said you don't you don't have enough wealthy investors to make this work, and now we're seeing that come to fruition. Yeah, no, I uh, you know we'll find out more of course today once the NASL meetings are officially over with, but uh, it does make you wonder. It's like what is the future of NASL? What's the future of even American soccer as a whole? Because how many semi-ish soccer fans were following some of these other teams, saying if these teams can't even keep it together, why should I even bother dealing with? Any of the other uh, you know, leagues, especially MLS, even though they might be doing really well. So we'll have to see, I guess, what, yeah, the, what the future has to hold. We are going to run to a break. Uh, when we come back, Boston Breakers head coach Matt Beard will be here with us. Stay tuned. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Back after this. Back inside the Attention Era Media Studios, it's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Proven. All right, Simon Proven. We get to head to our first guest today joining us on the ShopFootsal.com call-in line. We've had a couple of the players that represent this club, but we've never had the man himself that runs the that runs the the team. It is Boston Breakers head coach Matt Beard, and he joins us now. Uh, good afternoon, Matt. Welcome to the show, sir. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you. You're glad to have you on the show, Matt. Uh, a very... Interesting 2016 campaign, I think. I think that's the, one of the many words I'm sure you and many others would use to describe uh, Boston's uh, regular season, but I don't even want to talk about that right now. I want to talk <laughs> about what the heck you guys have been doing this off season, though. You've been you know, releasing players, signing new players. It's just been an absolute carousel of, what, of everything happening in Boston. Can you, can you give us a little bit of insight? What the heck is going on? Are you just completely scrapping the old ship and saying, let's try it all again and see what happens? Um, no, not really. Look, we, we um, l- last year was a, a tough year on 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 many fronts. Um, you know, I probably knew deep down after sort of game five, game seven, that we needed to make you know changes, and, and we started planning them changes as early as 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 that last season. But um, look, we finished bottom last year. We finished bottom the year before. The year before that, they finished second bottom. So. We need to make changes. Um, 
And, you know, we, we've been doing that. And, and, you know, I'm the type of coach that doesn't want to just retain the player for the sake of keeping their rights. You know, ultimately, you know, they've got the opportunity to go abroad with the players that we've let go or to try and find themselves something here. And that's something that I felt was important with players that weren't my plans that we'd done that early. And then we concentrated on, you know, our top targets and we wanted to bring them just to improve the roster going forward. And, um, you know, we've we've done a lot of research, we've watched a lot of games, we've looked at statistics of players, and, you know, so far I'm, I'm pleased with, with what we've done. Yeah, Matt, you came over here from England in the uh, coaching in the FA Women's League over there, won a couple of yeah. championships with the Liverpool ladies. How much of that experience do you bring over here, and, and are you looking for the type of players this offseason like you had in Liverpool? Um, I think, obviously... Um, in England it was slightly easier to rebuild a team because I knew the players I knew the league I knew our opposition um, last year was tough for me because obviously I had to finish the campaign at Liverpool which which, which finished mid-November um, I then had the priority of organising my stuff back home and then setting my family into to America I mean I've taken this off-season to spend a lot of time watching the college game and um I've obviously got experience from my time at Liverpool where we had to rebuild it and start again and we're sort of going through that process here now at Boston and you know I don't want to be going through something like this every off season you know it's 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 obviously takes time for players to gel and stuff like that so we've got a lot of work to do especially pre-season but um you know I had to do it at Liverpool I've done it at other clubs that I've been at and um I think from my perspective, now that I've got a year under my belt of America, knowing the style, knowing the league, knowing the players, knowing the teams, you know, I'm in a much better position knowing what type of player can play in this league, you know, what type of player I need to recruit to play the way that I like to play personally. Um, and that's something that, that, that we've been working on, as I say, since midway through last season. One thing I'm curious about, Matt, uh, you, you did talk about um, watching more of the college game as well, too, since you've been here. The, college women's soccer has been a staple in the United States for a long time. Based off of what you've seen in just a, you know, the couple of months you've been able to kind of keep an eye on the game, do you believe that what they're doing here in the States at the collegiate level is benefiting players to go on and play professionally? Um, it's a tough one to answer. I mean, if you look at the, the College Cup final and, and the semi-final games, I don't think the quality was, you know, what it should be for players of of, of that age. But but then you've got to look at the amount of games that they've played in quick succession. You've got to look at, you know, players coming in and coming off. It disrupts rhythm and stuff like that. You, you know, um, there's some really good players in this draft. You know, there's some players that can come in and do well. I think if you look last year, I think there was there was probably only four or five that out of forty that got picked that 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 played on a regular basis in the NWSL, I'm sure that num- number will double next year because there's a, there's a bigger pool of players to choose from. But um, the, the, the transition from being a college player to a pro player is completely different. The levels... Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's a lot higher, you know. Um, and these young players will need time to, to adjust to that. And um, that's something that I learned very quickly last year, obviously, in England or in Europe, a young player to us is 16, 17, 18. A young player here is 22, 23. And, you know, it's, it's, it's completely different. So my understanding of what their knowledge and was in comparison to the younger ones back home, you know, it tripped me up a little bit. But obviously I've learnt my lesson from that.
<laughs> so Matt, what what does a Matt Beard team look like ultimately for you? Um, well, first and foremost, we I like to try and play in the right way. Um, I like to have you know an an attacking team that gets forward. Is you know it's funny I was looking at the Liverpool Bournemouth game at the weekend and mm-hmm. you know people were criticising the defending, but sometimes you just got to applaud the attacking play that goes on in games. You know it's getting more and more difficult for. For teams to defend, and I think even in lots of you're seeing lots of high-scoring games right the way across the board now. So look, we just want to play in the right way. I think we've got the right balance with what I'm looking to do this year. You know, we've signed Harvey, the Norwegian winger, who's an out-and-out winger that can get at players. We've got Dowie that can link up. Um, we've got De Costa, we've got Rosie White, so we've got lots of attacking players that can create chances and score goals. And that was an area that, that we were weak at last year in creating chances and scoring goals. So that's something that I wanted to address. And I think we've done that well so far. Um, we're still looking to strengthen, um, even before the draft. Um, and I'm hoping that we can get all our business done before Christmas so we can just concentrate on who who, who we want to pick from the draft. Talking to head coach Matt Beard from the Boston Breakers on the shopfutsal.com call-in line here on 2 Up Front. It's interesting, Matt, that you had mentioned that uh, just breaking away from the women's discussion, but about all the goals being scored right now in the Premier League. Uh, We saw it in the uh, MLS playoffs as well. It's funny, though, isn't it, how finicky fans can be? Because the same fans who are screaming for more goal scoring are now the ones saying, man, there's nothing but pub defense on these fields. Yeah, well, I mean, look at Man City. If, if you look, it, it, all he does, I mean, they got beat because they took risks, mm-hmm. and, and that's the way he's always played. You know, I mean, that counter attack where Chelsea went from one end of the pitch to the other within eleven seconds, and the ball was in the back of the net. But I mean, what was it? That that uh, the Toronto crazy. Yeah, <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> It's incredible. It's incredible to see the you know the way that uh, the teams play nowadays, especially I mean at the men's game. I mean we, we've seen of course you know the NWSL get a little bit more uh, scory of course as well too. I mean unfortunately your your ladies are on the wrong side of that scoreline <laughs> several <laughs> several times. <laughs> we don't want to bring up the Western New York Flash games too much if we can yeah, help. No, please it. don't. <laughs> uh, but but uh, I'm curious though, Coach. Though I'll, you've you've brought in a lot of great players this off season as well too. You let some fairly high quality players go, but then you. You, you replace those with even better players. Of the players that you've brought in so far, who are you excited to see how they're going to gel with uh, with the members already on your squad? I think, I, I mean, more. The, the thing is, because I've had the opportunity to get to know the league, like a certain, only a certain type of player could come and play in this league. Um, so it's, it's it's difficult. So only a certain type of player can play in this league. You can't. You've got to be athletic. You've got to be. Um, strong, you've got to be quick, and that's something that we looked at. You know, I think Rosie White would do really well because she's obviously knows the American game because yes, yep. of her uh, UCLA stuff, and um, I think she'll do well because she's a good, very good player. I've worked with the Costa before, so I'm not going to get from her. But Harvey's the one that I'm really excited because I think I don't think there's anything really like her in this league right now. That's a, a, a true style out and out winger that can go inside, that can go outside. She knows when to release it. She'll score goals and she'll assist goals. I'm really excited by what she can do here. But it's like anything. You come into a new country like I did last year. You know, the players, it's time to, to settle down and, and learn the new surroundings because it is, it is a different league. You know, in England, it's now more tactical. Teams sitting off each other. It's like a game of chess where it's here. It's open. And um, if you look at Orlando, for example, they were doing so well with Leanne Samson coming off the bench when the games opened up and Leanne was... Yep nicking a goal and creating a goal and 
when they lost her that, that they lost that that impact in late on in the games. So, um, so yeah, it's 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 a fascinating league. It really is. Uh, Matt, quick question about the overall setup of the Boston Breakers. Um, you know, they're yep. one of they're, they're one of the few clubs, uh, women's clubs, that has some type of academy. Do you have any hand in that? Um, ev- eventually, I will do. Um, that, that's something that that I done back home when I went to Liverpool. The, the first thing for me was to organise, obviously, the the first team or the pro teams we caught here. Um, then I turned my attention to our development squad and our centre of excellence, and so. You know, I, I will once my time allows me to do that. That's something I'm really keen on because I want to make sure, you know, that we develop good players. Not only, um, you know, whether they bring in a homegrown rule or not, I don't know. But with the with the new um, with the new licenses that they're uh, issuing, but um, I think it's important just for for the country, you know, that mm-hmm. that these players are getting good education at a young age because, you know, for over a decade now back in England. You know they've they formed centre of excellences or academies similar to the men's model, where they get training twice a week, playing against the best players in their age group every week. Um, and I think because the country's so big here, that doesn't really happen. Um, so it, it, for, for me, it's important that we, we produce players, and not just for us, but obviously for the college level and stuff like that. And that's something that's that's important to me because of my background as well. Awesome. Well, Coach, we really appreciate it. we got to let you run, unfortunately, but we appreciate you taking time to join us uh, on 2 Up Front, sir. Uh, we hope to talk to you again before the, uh, the season kicks off in 2017. Cool. Thank you. Have Absolutely. There goes Coach Matt Beard on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll go to Chicago, talk to goalkeeper Michelle Dalton of the Chicago Red Stars. Hang tight. It's 2 Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. Inside the Attention Era Media Studios, it's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Great show for you today. We just got off the phone with head coach of the Boston Breakers, Matt Beard. He gave us the uh, the inside look on what the heck Boston has been doing this last offseason. But very insightful. It's always interesting to hear the, the, the imports. You know, he spent so much time in England and now he's only gotten a season under his belt in the NWSL and just his view of how he views the women's game and the college game in America is, is actually really interesting to hear. Well, and it made sense now 
what's all going on at Boston. That, yes. that basically he's looked at the last two seasons and said this isn't working. And as he mentioned, he took some of that experience from Liverpool. Now he knows the NWSL. He yep. knows the players in it, and he knew who he wanted. Exactly. So I think that uh, for those that were, you know, much like ourselves, very critical of the work that they were doing, it's kind of one of those moments where you're like. Oh, okay. Yep. I, I understand exactly. now. Okay. Well, we are going to stay in the NWSL, Simon. It's been a while since we've had a double NWSL uh, guest day, but it, uh, with the off season, of course, you know, players and coaches and such are busier. We get that. So uh, we have the opportunity to speak to uh, number 18 of the Chicago Red Stars. She is one of the goalkeepers, and she is a University of Wisconsin Badger alum. It's Michelle Dalton, and she joins us on the program now. Michelle, welcome to Two Up Front. Hi, thanks for having me, and uh, man, you're killing me with the, uh, you know, obviously I'm a Badger alum, but it was a rough weekend for the Badgers this past week. Oh my goodness, it yes was. it was. Yeah, That, that was uh, painful to watch. I turned the game off at halftime, I'm like, we got this, and I woke up the next morning, I'm like, what happened? <laughs> It was, I did the same thing. I was like, oh, a piece of cake. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Yep, exactly. It's uh, never a dull moment in Wisconsin sports, that's for sure. But uh, I think that's why so many people love the Packers and Badgers and Bucks and Brewers and all that fun stuff. But we're not going to talk to you about that unless you really want to. But uh, we want to talk to you about the Chicago Red Stars, of course, and your, your interesting and impressive 2016 campaign. Uh, you got the opportunity to get on the field several times with Alyssa Nayer being gone for international duty. You started seven total games games uh you allowed seven goals but you, uh, you did a pretty good job overall though well, give us give us your uh, your your thought of those uh those seven games and just how you thought 2016 went for you as a as a whole uh you know i thought the team we did well uh you know when the, our internationals were gone just like we did in in 2015 i thought it was an opportunity for people to get on the field to show what they can do uh, young a lot of younger players on our team got that opportunity and i think everybody did really well with it and i think you know, moving forward, it, it helps us uh, and Coach Roy Dame moving forward to build upon what we've the success that we've had in the past few seasons. We have some youth now, as opposed to 2015, where a lot of uh, veterans retired, and so I think the future is really looking bright for for the Red Stars. Now, you you talk about uh, you know the future as a whole. You see so many teams this off season making making moves. Uh, of course, you know Chicago losing Amanda DaCosta out to Boston. Of course, so you you lose a a very formidable uh, cog in your your defense and your midfield as a whole too. Uh, aside from that, though, Chicago's done a fairly good job though of uh, of maintaining a lot of their top players. As you head into two thousand and seventeen. And, and you kind of you know look ahead. I think that a lot of folks would have to say that Chicago should be in the playoff mix again next season. Do you do you agree with that based off the players currently on the roster? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, as I said, we have some youth now uh, that is be, you know they're showing what we can do uh, or what they can do when given the opportunity, and that's only a positive for us moving forward. So we have it's great uh, you know that we have a lot of returners. Just about everyone's returning and. Uh, I think, you know, we have a lot to, to build upon. Everybody, I, I am certain, was disappointed in the way the season ended this year, getting so close again in the playoffs. But I think uh, 27 is looking bright, and it's going uh, to be a good year for us. Uh, talking about uh, specifically defensively, you know, what's, what's it like to train with, with players like Julie Johnston and Casey Short, who, of course, have both appeared for the uh, U.S. women's national team this year? Yeah, I have to admit, you know, my first season I was a little starstruck, but they are so welcoming. They're so professional. They are willing to help you out. If you have any questions, uh, those are the guys, you know, that we tend to turn to to, to help us out to 
uh, carry the team and help us be successful. So it's neat. It's, you know, one of the highlights of my career is being able to, to play uh, with them and train with them. And, you know, they only make us better. So it's been awesome. Uh, awesome for me as, as a non-international to be able to, to play with players like that. When you talk about the uh, the international game, you yourself have actually spent a fair amount of time across the pond uh, playing in, in several different European countries. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the team that you played for in Sweden. So if you if you have a pronunciation, that'd be wonderful. But I, I'm curious to get your thoughts about uh, that that Swedish second division team that you played for and uh, your time over there is, and now to where you are here in the United States. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh, Karnsvin is kind of how you pronounce it. I say it wrong too, but. That's close enough. So basically, just yeah. talk like the Swedish chef from uh, from the Muppets, and you and you say it. Yeah, there's <laughs> basically you know there's very few people that know that I'm saying it wrong in the US. So I just <laughs> They'll be like, oh wow, okay, sure, yeah, that sounds like a great team. You're like, yep, yep, exactly. Be like, I played for them, yeah, and I don't even know what they're called, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's totally how you pronounce it. Yeah, no, it was it was an awesome experience, both in Iceland and in Sweden. The game, soccer, you know, goalkeeping in general is, is a simple task. You have a soccer ball, and your job is to not allow it to get behind you, essentially, and don't let it get into your goal. So, for me... You make it sound so easy. Wow, I feel like I should have been... I, I, I played forward my whole life. I feel like I should have just played goalie instead. It sounds so much more simple. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> is it really that simple, though? I mean... It doesn't mean it's easy. <laughs> I it's was simple. Say, I was like, I get you've it. Got, you've got one job. Just don't let the ball go in your net. Right. Oh, okay, sure. That's easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I stress myself out, you know, sometimes, because you get caught up in the details. Yes, yep. Because there is a lot flying around. You know, I call my mentors, and they're like, Michelle, just keep the ball out of the net. Quit overthinking things. I'm like, you know what? Okay, that's pretty much what I got to do. So, so when, when people tell you you have literally one job, you literally have one job. It's like, I just got to yeah. keep the ball out of the back of the net. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, when you're overseas, as I say, as a goalkeeper, it's fairly simple. It's, it's an international language, soccer is, and goalkeeping uh, specifically, you know, everybody has a different style and a, a way that they play, but um, you can adapt to that. And, you know, once you get into an environment, a different environment, and you see the way uh, somebody else, you know, your new team is competing maybe a little bit differently than uh, tactically than you're used to. It's, it's not a difficult adjustment. It just takes some time um, and understanding of the game a little bit more. So I think it really has helped, you know, my overseas experience has really helped me overall uh, in my understanding of the game, my knowledge of the game, and specifically the goalkeeping position. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. I had a <laughs> frog in my throat there okay as, I, as I got to the microphone. Um, <laughs> you know, our conversation with Matt Beard just a couple minutes ago, he had mentioned about how the college game in the states needs to do a better job of of preparing players for the professional level. I'm curious about your thoughts on that. If, if, first of all, if you agree with him on that, and again, being a goalkeeper, maybe it's maybe it's not apples to apples here. But if you do, what can the college game do to beyond getting rid of the NCAA, what can the college game do to improve that environment for uh, for the harsh. for the wow. women's soccer players? Well, I think my experience at Wisconsin was a very, very professional one. If I had to be critical of the biggest difference to me between the collegiate game and the professional game from my experience has been the fitness. Um, in college, it's all about fitness testing. It's fitness-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody runs like a horse, including goalkeepers, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, you want to be fit, but once you get into the professionals and you're talking about you're competing against, you know, 32, 33, 34-year-olds sometimes, it's, they're not 
out running five, six, seven, eight miles, you know, a day to train. It's more um, specific to what the coaches are asking them to do tactically. So I think we do a lot more tactical stuff. Certainly fitness is involved, but I think, you know, my college, uh, Wisconsin, did a great job preparing me, I felt, uh, for life after collegiate soccer. Um, but, you know, like I say, I, I go back to school, uh, to Wisconsin occasionally to train up there. And I've been asked by some of the goalkeepers, you know, what's it like being a pro? What's it like? And I'm like, you're experiencing it. You know, it's, mm. you're not being paid necessarily. You're, you're being paid in other, in other ways, but ultimately it's the same thing. You're probably going to make a little less as a professional than you are right now in, in college, but it's great to be able to focus on your craft, which is soccer and not really have anything else to deal with as a pro in terms of, you know, like at school, you have school to deal with, yep. you have social, you have all those things. So as a professional, it's, um, you, you can't change that from school, though. So as a professional, you just have to kind of adjust to, oh, my goodness, you know, this is life. This is kind of the life I've always wanted. Just eat, sleep, dream, breathe soccer. And um, it's actually really refreshing. No, I'm curious too, Michelle, and that's it's fantastic to hear your your opinion about that too. Because I feel like the goalkeepers are hit or miss at times. Sometimes they're super chatty, as we've had, you know, with Michelle and other players. But then you get those goalkeepers as well, Simon, that have been on our show that I just don't say very much, and it's it's refreshing because it's like all you do for 90 minutes is scream at the top of your lungs <laughs> to get people in position, and then to actually have the translate over, I think, is fantastic. So uh, it's it's awesome to hear your your insights about that, Michelle. I, I am curious too. Your a final thing before we let you go is um, when you did come back uh, from playing in Europe, you get to play down in Chicago, basically as close as you can get to Madison professionally, uh, but you're also from, the, uh, you know, from, your, you're from Mount Prospect, Illinois as well, too. So was that an exciting moment for you when you found out that you were going back to Chicago, or was that pre-planned, like, look, I'm only going to play in Chicago if I play in the NWSL? Uh, no, there, uh, my plan, and honestly, when I tell, when I give speeches or I speak to young aspiring players, I say, listen, have a dream and have a goal, but don't make it such a narrow focus because the mm. more narrow you get with your dream, the less likely you are to achieve it. So ultimately, my goal was to play professional soccer. I did want to go to Europe. The circumstances that I was presented with at the time when I graduated from Wisconsin, I didn't have the option to play here because the league folded. So I was you know, forced to go overseas. And then when I had always dreamt about coming home, it was just a matter of, is the league going to be stable? And if so, at what time? And so when I left Sweden, I actually came home and immediately, a lot of people don't know this, uh, had a shoulder surgery, which sort of, wow. you know, when you have an injured goalkeeper, not necessarily injured, I would have been fine. It was a, it was a quick recovery, but teams back in Europe were no longer interested in me. So ah, then, yeah. you know, and especially as something as important as your shoulder, too, for, for playing the position that you do. Right. So I essentially, I walked down to the Red Stars, I tried out um, and, you know, got earned a contract and then in the end earned the starting role and, and played in the playoff game. Um, and so, you know, my shoulder was a non-issue at that point, but it was sort of given that, you know, the opportunity that I was given it, I sort of just made the most of it. Um, and and went from there, and I'm so thankful that I'm back in Chicago because it's really neat. My family, they can't read Icelandic or Swedish, so it's really difficult <laughs> to follow me while I was like, what are there. they saying? Is it good things? Is it good things? I can't tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They would call and be like, what happened? <laughs> uh, but, you know, not only to be back in the United States playing, but being back in my hometown and having all of my family and friends come out and support me regularly, 
so rewarding and it literally is right now i'm living my dream and i couldn't be happier that's awesome michelle and i i I don't want this question to sound like a debbie downer because of all the great stuff that you get when you're in chicago as you said near family playing uh, near your hometown of mount prospect i'm curious though if an nwsl team were to come along and say hey we want you to be our starter full time would that be a tough decision it would be a tough decision, certainly. I'm not getting any younger, though. I'm 28, and I want to play. Um, you know, ultimately, that's, I, I would say, anybody's dream and anybody's goal. But the girls, the team here in Chicago is so tight-knit, and I love them so much. And obviously, my family is a factor as well. But And, and that's what would make it such a tough decision. Is it is it staying somewhere where you're comfortable, where you're successful, or can you go somewhere new and try something a little different and maybe get out of your comfort zone is probably if that opportunity were to ever you know appear that would probably be the decision um and i'd have to weigh the options at that time but i wouldn't say no right off the bat to any opportunity uh if i you know if i was that type of person i wouldn't have lived with an icelandic family and in, in true Iceland, yeah uh, for six months <laughs> Well, Michelle, it's been it's been great talking to you. I really appreciate your honesty, especially in that yeah, last absolutely. question. So, uh, you, you have a great off season, and wish you the best of luck in 2017. Thank you so much, Jalen. Have a great afternoon. Thank you. You as well, Michelle. We appreciate your time. There goes Michelle Dalton of the Chicago Red Stars on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. We're going to head to a break when we come back. The MLS Best 11 has been revealed, and the Landon Donovan MVP award was not presented to himself, but uh, somebody I think at least was very deserving of it. We'll talk about that and more right after this. It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. Welcome back inside the studio. It is Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Reminder for you, if you ever miss a show, you can go and catch it on demand by going to our website, the number two, twoupfrontsoccer.com, and you can find other great information about Simon and I. You can look at the entire catalog of guests we've had on the show as well. We just had two great guests in our second and third segment as well, Matt Beard of the Boston Breakers, and then we just heard from Michelle Dalton as well. From yeah, what a, what a fun interview with her. Yeah, and again, very, just very I, insightful. Yeah, as well. I, I always appreciate that honesty as well, you know, as, as she's talking glowingly about the Red Stars as well as she should, because yes. it, it is a great club down there. Uh, but then to answer that question with, no, you know what, I would have to think about it if somebody came along and said, we want you as our full-time mm-hmm. starter. Exactly. So it's, it's always good to hear the... Uh, the knowledge and it was kind of funny too because she's like really when you break it down goalkeepers literally have one job we don't have to worry about too much of the tactics you don't have to worry too much about it's just literally don't let the ball in the back of the net you know it's interesting baxter i do relate this to when i'm teaching acting to students i always tell them 
the actual art of it is simple, mm-hmm. but the execution is is difficult. Mm. That's that's where the difference is between simple and easy. Is yep. yeah, it's a simple thing. It's a simple concept. Yep. But now executing that in actual practice, that's the difficult part. You're absolutely right about that. Well, speaking of executing uh, at a high level, uh, the MLS released their best 11 uh, for the 2016 season. These are 11 gentlemen that executed their craft at an incredibly high level all season long and are very deserving, in my opinion, for most of these positions um, for the award that they received. So I kind of want to walk through the roster fast of the 11 and uh, get your thoughts as well. Sure. So uh, the goalkeeper, Andre Blake, the Philadelphia Union goalkeeper, I I think there wasn't really a, a better goalkeeper the entire length of the season. There were times where he was a little spotty, but uh, I think that his his overall playing career uh, came to a, a pinnacle as of this season so far. Well, I, I, I wasn't much a believer in him, and I know people are going to... I didn't like him before are, the year Well, they're going to take issue with what I'm about to say. It wasn't until I saw him live in the All-Star game that I appreciated oh, his skill okay. level. Because um, he had to make a lot of saves in the he All-Star did. game. He did, and, you know, as we talked on our last show, the Union are not on a lot of the uh, national television dates no, they just aren't. so you don't get to see them often and when we would it seemed like they were getting trounced now my memory could be wrong about that no, but you're about so, right about so, that. <laughs> so blake blake never impressed me on those uh, uh, the few times we did get to see him but then like i said when i got to see him in person and, and see his skill level my mind definitely changed about that one he's had 22 caps for jamaica as well uh, a big reason jamaica has started to have a, a recent uh, resurgence of, of talent as well too uh, those younger players that are in mls that are succeeding at a high level and uh Blake is definitely a big reason for that. So keep an eye on Jamaica over the next four to five years. I think they're starting to they're starting to put things together, and I think they could be a, a fun team to watch in CONCACAF for sure down the stretch. Uh, the three defenders are Axel Hoiberg, Matt Hedges, and Gel Van Dam uh, from the Rapids, FC D- uh, Dallas, and Galaxy, respectively. Yeah, I think the one person that I could substitute Van Dam for is another FC Dallas player, Walker Zimmerman. Yeah. I'm actually a little bit surprised he's not on here, both for his work defensively, but also he would get up there offensively and score a few goals. He did, yeah. Matt Hedges is the uh, 2016 Defender of the Year, of course, so uh, a very historic year for FC Dallas with their U.S. Open Cup, and then, of course, the Supporter Shields title as well. Uh, I, well, I, and you I wonder, didn't see enough of the Galaxy to see to know Van Dam, though, personally. Yeah, I mean, he's he's he was a strong performer in the back, but you know, the Galaxy didn't have the best defense overall. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, just to go back to Matt Hedges real quick, I would like to see Bruce Arena call him up and see how he does. Hmm, I would be fine with that. Yeah, I, I think that he was a, a young, talented player that uh, definitely has a lot to offer. He's only been playing in the league for the last four years, so he's got a lot, uh, lot to offer. That's for sure. Uh, but we had a gentleman, though, that's, uh, of course, with, with Horberg. He's from, uh, he played his soccer at uh, Marquette University. Yeah, he was a huge snub for my money on the All-Star team, not yep. being named to the All-Star team. He said it himself. He felt he felt that that was a snub. But, yeah, we got to see him play here for four years. Hey, Colorado Rapids, we want him on our show. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let's get him on be, the show. That would be wonderful. A little home cooking for but us. But, my goodness, that... that he was the anchor of that defense. All season. Zach McMath, of course. Uh, Tim Howard did well back there as well. But I really feel like the defense started and ended with Hoberg. I completely agree. Uh, looking at these midfielders, I don't know if you're going to find a better grouping of four midfielders on on most professional teams at this level. Right. I don't want to get, like, is the, there's the Real Madrid and Barcelona and Dortmund, blah, 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 that are like, well, our four, like, okay, just, if you look at teams that could potentially play at this starting 11's level, Mauro Diaz, Giovanni Dos Santos, Sasha Klesch, and Ignacio Piatti, 
it almost doesn't get any better than that with the way that those four have played all season long. All key players for their teams all season long, scoring goals, dishing out assists, high-profile players. Well, look, Mauro Diaz is one of the most exciting players in this league. 100%. Doesn't get enough credit, but but uh, very fun to watch him in midfield. Of course, Dos Santos lived up to his name this season. He was very important to the Galaxy. He's one of the reasons the Galaxy ended up making the playoffs. Yeah. Of course, Sasha Kleschen, he actually... As I said on the show, he would get my vote for MVP yeah. because he was so incredibly important to that year, Red Bulls midfielder. Like. Absolutely. And then Piatti. That's all you got to say. <laughs> Piatti. Yeah, he was he was a very distant fourth in the MVP uh, voting w- w- that we got to see. But my goodness. Again, talking about a player responsible for his team making the playoffs. That is the Nacho Piatti. Yes. yes. And you, you talk about MVPs, and we've had this conversation as well, too. If you take that player out of the lineup from your team, how good is that team without that player? And in Montreal, we know it's just not that great without Piatti on the field. Totally fine without Drogba. Oh, yeah. But you take Piatti out of the equation, this team doesn't make the playoffs. Yeah, oh, 100%. And maybe not even make it as far as they did in these playoffs because we saw him score a couple of goals and you know play just vital, vital passes and a role overall and against you, Toronto. you feel like, speaking of those goals, that almost every single goal that he scores is amazing to watch, yes, too, on top like, of it. like, you score an easy goal, can you just tap a goal in and make the rest of us feel a little bit more human? It's like, no, i got to score crazy bending goals between 12 defenders. You get those DP signings that you just shake your head about, like Kubo Torres, but then you get players <laughs> like Piatti that uh, like, they uh, live up to the hype. Like, okay, I understand that. Uh, speaking of uh, DPs, a very DP-filled uh, forwards, uh, Sebastian Giovinco, Bradley Wright-Phillips, and Dave. Via, also the MVP award winner as well. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I don't think you can those these three forwards combined for just an incredible amount of goals over over sixty goals uh, total between the three of them in 2016. Each a, a man amongst boys when they were on the field. Um, Javinko, we were really a little upset that he uh, got injured, of course, and even wasn't even the MVP consideration because of the two Red Bulls players, and then of course with Via also. But an electric player, an absolutely electric player, and I, he's been incredible to watch. Uh, this is his second consecutive uh, Best Eleven nomination as well. And then, you, yeah, you've got you know Bradley Wright Phillips, who worked his way into a DP contract, if yeah. you remember. He wasn't signed as a DP. He worked his way into it. Uh, one of the best, I'm not going to say DPs, but one of the best forwards in the league's history. 68 goals in the last three seasons. Three, yeah, I was going to say the first, I believe he's the first player in MLS history to have 20-plus goals in three consecutive seasons. Uh, or, or did he miss out on 21? First year? player in MLS history to score two seasons with 20-plus okay, 20 goals. goals. Right, yep. right. But 68, you know, averaging over three go- uh, 20 goals over the last three seasons. Yep. Uh, anyways, you know, he's doing without, this without taking PKs. He had one PK opportunity this year, which he missed. <laughs> he's like, Play- eh, nah, I'm yeah. good. But, but still, you know, to see him work his way up to that DP level and again live up to that, not unlike Chris Wondolowski, who also worked his way up to a DP level, yeah. uh, you know, give him credit for that. But you, you can't go wrong with having these three forwards on the, on the best 11. You cannot go wrong. Perfect picks, in my opinion. I completely agree with you on that one, too. Uh, we'll, we'll take the David Villa thing here as well and kind of transition into the sure. MVP talk as well, too. So it was Villa, Bradley Wright Phillips, and Sasha Kleschen. You mentioned Sasha Kleschen would have been your vote. Uh, David Villa, in my opinion, too, uh, one of those players that 
Uh, NYCFC, I think, surprised the socks off of everybody. From in, in well, gen- that's true. In right. general, right? In general, I don't think. I mean, the way they finished, everyone's kind of like, there they are. Like that's the NYCFC. But, team but to we make thought. the playoffs, to to spend a lot of the season second to right. the East, when and, nobody and, thought they were going to make the playoffs. Right, and spending a lot of season actually thinking that maybe they win the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, I, I, I do understand why he was voted MVP. Look, I'm not going to argue with it. That's the thing. Whether it was Bradley Wright Phillips, Javinko. Uh, question or the ultimate winner, David Villa. Really, you can't argue against any of those four winning because then you're talking about what does MVP actually mean in yeah. your vote. And you can get all analytical and break it down and be like, well, Villa scored more goals over a seven-game period for right. you know, when he played 90-plus <laughs> right. minutes. Right. It's like, okay, now you're just making it way more than it needs to be. And you're talking again, him scoring five PKs. Well, you know what? He steps up to the spot. That's his job, and he does it. Exactly. And PKs aren't as given anymore as they used to be. Goalkeepers are getting much more athletic and a lot smarter about where these shots are taken. Watch Tim Howard. He's one of the best penalty kick savers uh, in MLS and even around the world, some people might argue as well, too. But Villa has scored 41 goals since he came into the league last season. It's tied for the best in MLS over that history. Well, look, he had said about this award that it's one of the highlights of his career because of the state of MLS and, and so many good players in the league now, so many big-name players in the league as well. You know, was he, was he being heartfelt when he said that? I don't know. But he said it. Exactly. And uh, it's good to see him appreciate the award, because it is, a, it is a huge honor for anybody playing in this league. I think so, too. It would have been fun, obviously, to see Landon Donovan win his own award, but <laughs> he kind of dropped <laughs> hey, off the face. I don't know. Maybe next year. He did, didn't he? He yeah, did. Yeah, maybe next year we That'll see That would be a fun segment. I'd love, to, I'd love to just, I mean, I'm sure we've got, well, once we get that connection, I'd love to get Landon on the show and pick his brain a little bit. Uh, Baxter, we, d- we don't have time, but if, if you haven't heard, Atlanta United signing not just a Paraguayan international, a 22-year-old. An incredible player, too. Yes. I need to look up the highlights on him, but from everything I've read about him, he seems like an absolutely fantastic player. He's from Club Launos out of the Argentine Premier Division, of course. A lot had to do with the fact that Atlanta United have a wonderful coach that is Argentinian as well, so he's been following these players, and people are saying, well, the only reason he signed with Atlanta is because of their coach. Yeah, great move by Atlanta for signing the coach. Exactly. But these are the type of players... That MLS has to continue to go after, but how impressive is Atlanta United's first quasi off season? I don't pre pre off season. I don't know what you call it. Oh, they, they're not even official That's yet, right? Because the new because the MLS 2016 calendar hasn't even finished That's right. yet. So That's right. Atlanta's just kind of hanging around. As soon as they go active, they're going to probably have the best off season among any team. But but this again, this great signing an attacking midfielder, young DP that looks to be an extremely exciting. Oh yeah. DP. So what, what a huge signing for Atlanta United. Atlanta's going to be fun to watch, that's for sure. We're going to go wrap things up. Uh, when we come back, we'll do our I Believe. We'll briefly chat about MLS Cups, and Simon will be uh, here or not on Thursday, and then we'll th- uh, close the show out. It's Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub.
Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Coming to you from the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We've had a great show. Special thanks to Matt Beard and Michelle Dalton for joining us earlier on in the program. Now, Simon, time to briefly talk about MLS Cup 2016. Yeah, you know, before we get to that, Baxter, real quick, MLS Soccer has a cool uh, best DPs in history list. Sorry. Oh, do they? Lo- losing my microphone there. Careful, careful. I-, I was very happy to see Juan Pablo Angel oh, on loved there. Angel. He, you know, Lothar Mateus was not a DP, but he was, I believe he was the first million dollar player in MLS, and he, he treated it as a total vacation. It was very frustrating when he was playing with the old Metro Stars. Yeah. Uh, but of course, Beckham signed, Woo! and then the Red Bulls, that's when Arena was coaching, went out and got Juan Pablo Angel. Oh my gosh, uh, he was he, just a fantastic player. He I was, loved, loved yeah, him. he was, he was, he was fun to watch, and it was so cool to see how serious he took the league. It was DPs like him, mm-hmm. yes, Beckham obviously was huge, but DPs like Juan Pablo Angel that showed future DPs that this is how you play in this league. You take it serious. You show these fans what good soccer looks like, and, and I really, he doesn't get enough credit as a DP for what he has done for this league. So, anyways, just wanted to throw that out there. Oh, absolutely. I love that. Uh, fun fact, I'm sure, I don't know if you heard this or not, but uh, MLS Cup sold out in three minutes. Did it? Really? Three minutes it sold out. Uh, it'll be Saturday evening, 8 p.m. Eastern time on Fox and Unimas and TSN and RDS and all that other The only business. thing I'm concerned about, Baxter, as we officially get into our talk here, is how cold it's going to be and how that might affect the play. We saw that when Sporting Kansas City won. They were basically playing on a frozen field. I think it was 7 degrees outside. It was not pretty soccer. A lot of players slipping around. So you do hope, and, and I've been a proponent of of having the game at, at the uh, top seed left in the playoffs because I think that's a great way to mm-hmm. reward that team. But then you do ch- take chances like this, playing a game outdoors in December in Toronto. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, when MLS Cup was at, uh, was at Colorado several years ago, I think they played in a snowstorm or darn near close to it, I'm yeah, I can't, sure. Yeah, I can't remember. But we did see, of course, the U.S. international game against mm-hmm. Costa Rica <laughs> turn into a massive snowstorm. Exactly, yeah. There, people are actually already saying, too, that this has the possibility to be the coldest MLS Cup in, on, on record. So it definitely could play a factor. I mean, both teams are used to the cold weather. Seattle, of course, is used to that rainy, cold mess. Toronto just played a series in that as well, too, being in Canada. Of course, they're used to the cold weather also. But soccer is one of those games where you know people can say, well, it can be played in any, any element. But playing it in really cold temperatures, especially when you start getting snow and all that stuff, that affects players like a Giovinco, like a, a, you know, a Bradley or a Jordan Morris that yeah, the, the only flow thing I, a little bit more. The only thing I will say, it's not like they don't play in cold, rainy, snowy weather in England, though, too. You know, exactly. So if we're going to compare it to that. Uh, and there, I, I don't know, you probably still do get games postponed because of frozen fields. Now a lot of fields, of course, have the, the heaters underneath the it. But, or whatever, but yeah. that was a big thing in the 90s is postponed due to frozen field. Yeah, yep, exactly. So I, I'm curious to know how this game obviously is going to shape up. Um, I, I've i been a, a fairly uh, vocal person about this saying that I think Toronto is going to win. Uh, Part of me, I think Toronto is going to win, but I know that Seattle is probably going to still find a way to win. It's, it's, it's weird about that. Kind of like when the Revolution were in the final a couple of years ago. It's like, I want the Revolution slash think they are. But ultimately, I know the Galaxy were going to win, and of course, when they did win, I wasn't that surprised. But Toronto seems to have all their ducks in a row. Seattle, in my opinion, is still dealing with a couple of those injury bugs. 
Uh, I don't know how how good Jordan Morris is going to be, if he's going to be at 100%. We know Jovinko, of course, got a little bit of a leg injury as well against Montreal. So there's going to be notable players not playing at their full 100%, which could play a big factor. It very well could, and, and I think Seattle does depend a lot on Jordan Morris now. You know, we saw Agreed. him play in the flu in that last game, but it's pretty scary when you have a healthy Bradley, a healthy El- yeah. healthy Eltador, healthy Javinko, even... Uh, uh, Tosaint, yes, versions of very those informed Josie Altador. But even even the subs that come on, Tosaint Ricketts, you know, not the best of players, but he gets in the mix. He He's knows a, what he, to do. He knows what to do. He knows how to finish a game. Yes, and that's all that matters. It doesn't really matter who scores the goals. And you hear some players ask about that. It's like if you you know if you had the opportunity to be scoring, you scoring the game winning goal, and a teammate scoring the game winning goal. You know, what would you prefer? And most players would be like, I don't care who scores the goal as long as we win the game. That's all that really matters. Right. And of course, you know, you do counter. The Eltador, Javinko, Bradley mm-hmm. uh, offensive machine that it is with a Chad Marshall, with a Brad yeah. Evans, with a Stephen Fry. So it's not like Seattle is is terrible. And a Joven on, Jones as well. Is, thank you. Thank very you. Well. Absolutely. Top top game right now. Mm-hmm. So you know who who wins that defensive? Who wins that offensive? Yeah. Of de- uh, sorry, of Toronto Seattle's versus Seattle defense, defense. I think Seattle's got the better defense. Toronto's got the better offense. Goalkeepers. Stefan Fry, probably. Probably. But I, would, I would have to assume. Uh, yeah, I think it's... I mean, we, we did see against Montreal that Clint Irwin is easy to beat at times. He is. He's very susceptible to uh, those those shots from distance, which you can't be doing. I mean, and we know that Nicholas Ladero is a very creative, shifty exactly. player. So he may be looking to expose Clint Irwin as much as he can, of course, uh, as the game goes on. But Saturday night, it's going to be an exciting time, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I am picking Toronto to win. Uh, I think it's going to be... Uh, a fun game. I'm going to take two to one Toronto. Okay. Well, just for the fun of it, I'm going to take Seattle. Same score line. Um, 28 degrees, by the way, is the weather prediction right now in December. No, thank you. Mix of sun and clouds. So it doesn't look like there's going to be any snow. In fact, only a 30% chance of snow at this point. Okay. Um, I think that works in Seattle's favor should should the weather hold like that as far as not having the snow. That is true. All right. Uh, time for our final part of our last segment. <laughs> All right, so it is our I Believe segment where Simon and I both offer things we believe will take place in the soccer world. Simon, would you like to go first or second? Yeah, and I think I might be repeating this, but uh, I'm going to be lazy and say it anyways because I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure we had this conversation because you even asked me, okay, then who doesn't make it? But I believe the Boston Breakers make the NWSL playoffs next year. Yes, I think you. Okay, and that was kind of similar to what I was going to say, too. I think Boston is actually, I believe that Boston will finish uh, in the top half of the the table, so fifth or better, in my opinion. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but... Uh, Matt Beard is doing some interesting things. Well, and now, as you said, now that we got to talk to him and understand his, his, what, why he's doing what he's doing. Yep, gives you if you're at least if you're a Boston Breakers fan, it gives you a ton of hope. You're absolutely correct about that. Well, a very special thanks uh, to Matt Beard of the Breakers and Michelle Dalton from the Chicago Red Stars for joining us on the ShopFootsall.com call-in line. All guests, of course, do appear on the ShopFootsall.com call-in line. Uh, it was a great show. We talked about the MLS Best 11. We'd love to know your thoughts about anything we talked about, too, or anything that our guests talked about as well. Uh, you know, the U-17's progress, the NASL potentially going away, the Best 11, MVP, all that fun stuff. We talked about a lot, and there's a lot of ways that people can get a hold of us, too. Yeah, and of course, one of the best ways is to find us on Facebook. I'll tell you what, why don't you go over there, leave a comment, but before you leave, click that like. We're almost at 600 likes, Baxter. I'd yeah. love to see us get there. Before the end of the year. That would be that would be pretty sweet. Maybe we'll have another uh, little giveaway if there that you happens. Go. Push. Uh, and of course, you can also find us on Twitter. 
at uh, what are we at two upfront soccer? <laughs> Told you I was tired. We're getting to the end of the show, and I, I refuse that uh, igloo cooler coffee. Uh, anyways, we're on Twitter at two upfront soccer. Of course, he's at Baxter Colburn, and I'm at Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, now, you won't be here Thursday, right? I will not. I'll be uh, doing a presentation at, uh, at, at at my day job. Ah, well, best of luck with your presentation. So maybe we'll sneak you in for a phone yeah, call if, yeah. we can, if we can do that. So he is Simon Provan. I'm Baxter Colburn. With our manager being the one above, we are two upfront. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe.